30 drivers, 10 teams, 8 rounds in 10 weeks. The 2020 Formula 3 season is set to be a very, very exciting one. The second year of this new Formula 3 era here on Formula Scout. Uh, we are previewing the 2020 Formula 3 season. Of course, Formula Scout was established in 2011. Previously, Paddock Scout. Uh, Formula Scout is, of course, home to regular news features um, from the world of junior single-seater racing, tracking the progress of future Grand Prix stars. And future Grand Prix stars, well, there's plenty to be found in the 2020 Formula 3 season. Um, and we're going to be going through each of the teams and drivers and previewing their chances of success in this uh, shortened season. Of course, we don't quite know how many rounds there will be, um, but at the moment we tentatively have um, eight rounds in 10 weeks. So it's going to be a pretty intense schedule. Uh, last year, the calendar was already quite compressed. Um, so these teams are, are used to it, um, and I think the drivers are too. So hopefully um, we will see all of the 30 drivers at uh, round one. Hopefully no travel issues, no health issues, and uh, hopefully we will get all of those 30 drivers um, to the first round in Austria. Let's kick off then with the reigning champions, of course, Prema. And not just the reigning champions, but the dominant force of 2019. Absolutely, you know, dominant performance, top three places um, in the championship for their drivers. The title fight last year was very much between those three. Uh, and could we see the same this year? Well, that's the question. Um, who's driving champion? Oscar Piastri. We've also got the uh, Formula uh, 3 Regional, the Freck champion, Frederick Vesti, and also Logan Sargent, who, of course, drove for Carlin last year. On paper, of course, 19th with five points. You would not consider him a title threat for this year. But, of course, with that experience level and also the fact that uh, Carlin did not have the best year last year, uh, then definitely don't rule him out. But it may well be a kind of a battle between the two champions of Formula 3 Regional last year. Craig, do you see how you know it might play out a, a little bit like that with Piastri versus Vesti, perhaps? Yeah, it's quite an interesting prospect, really. To be honest, um, it, it will show sort of the, the levels of which Formula Renault Euro Cup and Formula Regional are at, uh, given how how this particular battle plays out. I think um, I wouldn't count out Logan Sargent, but I just don't think it's quite got the same sort of material that the, the likes of Piastri and Vesti have got. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's quite difficult to, to look past past these two in particular for for the title uh, this year. But like, like we saw Gian Derovala last year, um, it is possible to, for, uh, for for the, the, the third driver in the team to be a bit of an underdog. Elliot, who were you more impressed by last year, Piastri or Vesti? That is a very difficult question. <laughs> uh, I think I'd have to say Vesti because he has less experience of what like the regional F3 level car was and he absolutely dominated the, the frack field. Admittedly, he didn't really have any rivals to beat. Uh, but his engineer used to be Oscar's engineer and he also knows Logan. So I think as a unit, they're going to work together and basically be way beyond what they would be individually, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Tough team to beat, um, but not impossible because they have got um, some strong competition. Um, just lastly, though, Elliot, do you think, you know, what can Logan Sargent do? Can he be a bit of a Daruvula from last year? You know, not too much expectation, but actually when it comes to it, he springs a, a bit of a surprise. Definitely. Yeah, I think when he entered um, single-seaters, he was considered like a big, big star for the future because uh, they had a really good karting career. And rather than, you know, like Callum Islet, where their career's kind of gone a bit downhill, he's kind of sat under the radar. 
and worked hard. So I don't think there's actually any pressure on him to beat his teammates, which may just help him be at the same level as them. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I still remember that 2018 Euro Cup year, obviously, um, was very, very good. And hopefully he'll get back to that kind of form. And obviously Macau as well. He finished 2019 on a, on a really good high. So, yeah, definitely uh, exciting to watch out for that one. Let's move on to High Tech Grand Prix. Of course, we're running um, series returnees, Max Futrell and Liam Lawson. Of course, Futrell moving across from ART, Lawson moving from MP Motorsport. And then, of course, they're also joined by the rookie, Dennis Hager, of course, who uh, was you know very, very good in ADAC Formula 4, possibly could have won the title um, with a bit more consistency and, of course, did win the, uh, the Italian F4 Championship. Um, so he's definitely one to watch, and I think many people rating him as a very, very exciting prospect. Um, of course, part of the Red Bull Junior team as well, uh, just like Liam Lawson. Um, so yeah, that is looking like a, a really strong lineup, Craig. I mean, out of those three names, who's uh, jumping out at you the most? Um, it's big gear for Lawson, definitely. Um, uh, and I, I think for Futuro as well, I, I think it's a pretty big, big year for him as well after being uh, pretty comfortably outclassed by Christian Lungard uh, last year. Um, I, I think high tech for a little bit, what's the term I'm looking for? They overachieved last year, I think, um, high tech, uh, to be honest, considering um, that Yuri Vips is absolutely stellar. Um, and that, um, uh, yeah, I, I just don't think high tech has quite got the, the, the sort of pace to beat the likes of Prima at, at this game, unfortunately. But um, it is going to be interesting to see how how Lawson and Futuro um tackle each other as teammates um but yeah uh, it's difficult to pick any one in particular that that stands out out of these three i mean i'm definitely looking forward to seeing how dennis Hauke gets on i mean uh, for me he could definitely beat both futural and lawson and, and cause a bit of an upset uh in the high-tech team this one i think has the potential to be more explosive than the the prima trio um, especially. Uh, and like you said, I think Lawson really needs a good year. Um, you know, last year just didn't quite go the way it should have done for him after his success, you know, in Toyota uh, Racing Series at the start of the year. Uh, his Formula 3 campaign after that uh, wasn't great. So, uh, yeah, Elliot, I mean, big year, isn't it, for these three? Huge year. Yeah, I think the, the events surrounding Antoine Hubert's death did harm the Renault Academy drivers last year, who are obviously very close to him. And we did see that in Futrell's performances uh, towards the end of last season. So it'd be good to see him bounce back. Liam Lawson, this is the first time in his racing career he's been in the same car or like same championship really for two years in a row. And given how good he is, he's always been as a rookie. I think it's one way it's an unknown what he'll do this year, but another way, huge margin of improvement he could have. And Dennis Hauger, he did two Formula 3 events last year, I believe. Both of them, he like blew away expectations. So I think if high tech's up to scratch, they could fight the Prematria for the title quite easily. Yeah, definitely. And I guess the the third element to this possible uh, title fight is, of course, going to be ART Grand Prix, who did not have uh, as good as year I think many as expected um, to have in Formula Three last year. After dominating GP three, they were very much behind Prima and obviously as well even behind uh, High Tech, who of course new to to the, the F1 support bill. So, yeah, uh, ART definitely in need of a good year 
Fortunately, though, they have got some uh, half-decent drivers as well. Um, you know, the ADC uh, Formula 4 champion from last year. Um, they've also got Smolia as well. Um, the Russian, and I do apologize for butchering everyone's names, by the way. Um, also, Sebastian Fernandez as well, who's, you know, pretty handy. He's got a decent level of experience. He's probably not on the level of the, his two teammates. But, I mean, he showed some some decent pace. Certainly better than, you know, having a no points last year. He's, he's certainly a lot better than that. So, Hopefully he'll have a, a decent run. He was decent in Eurocup last year, so hopefully he'll have a better second year. But yeah, I guess most of the focus, Elliot, is going to be on the leading two drivers. Um, uh, you know, it's uh, it could be an interesting year for for both of them. Uh, quite different in quite different ways. You know, one of which coming from from German Formula Four, and and there's been a a mixed history of drivers who have jumped straight from that level to to what was used to be GP3 and now Formula Three. That really could go either way, can it? And then obviously, uh, Smolia obviously has uh, quite a bit more experience. Yeah, the Terry Porcher was absolutely rapid in ADACF4 last year. Dennis Hauger maybe had a slight edge over him, but because they weren't in the same team, it was very difficult to make direct comparisons. So, yeah, it's the same thing if ART's up to scratch, Porcher could definitely fight for the title. Smolia is highly rated, but I've never say I've never say he's been spectacular in what he's done. He's done some very high quality drives especially in Formula Renault but I would never have said like he's you know future F1 world champion standard um, and Fernandez yeah solid occasionally but otherwise a bit under the radar yeah I think Smolia could definitely go the same way as someone like Futrell um, in terms of comes into Formula 3 does a decent job but isn't quite there to kind of uh, be a fighting amongst the, the front runners uh, Craig what do you make of this lineup is it is it going to be able to hold up to, to high tech and primer? Um, I'm I'm very intrigued to see how Porsche gets on, um, because he, he he was so so rapid last year. Um, it, it's so weird to see ART not like right at the sharp end in in, in this sort of level. Um, so I do wonder whether they're able to totally bounce back off of that um, rather disappointing season. Last year, although we we don't know how anyone's really going to get on, given the the, the nature of the of um, everything going on at the moment. So, um, but if there are a couple, there are like two teams that are going to be like totally ready to go. It's going to be Prima and ART, surely. Um, so yeah, you never know. Porsche might be a a bit of a, a wild card title threat. Um, you, you never know, but we will see on that front. Fourth place in the championship last year was Trident, obviously kings of the reverse grid in the past in GP3. Um, and of course, quite strong, I think, um, last year, considering their resources. Always quite a, a fighting, you know, little team, but but get some good results. Um, their drivers for this year are Lyrism uh, Zendeli, of course, who was the German Formula 4 champion a couple of years back. Obviously, he had a lot more experience than, than Porsche does, so perhaps not quite fair to compare those to, uh, those two. Um, he obviously had a difficult end to, to last year, let's say, a few contract um, disputes with Shrews, of course, which meant um, he ended up leaving early. Uh, and then he also did uh, TRS, obviously, over the winter, and that uh, didn't quite go to plan. Uh, let's say team uh, finished eighth in the championship, which was uh, probably not exactly what uh, he was expecting. So he's got uh, big things to prove at Trident. Uh, Delvin, Delvin Di Francesco. Um, and Ollie Cardwell are in the other two seats. Steve Francesco has definitely had a big uh, upward trajectory, I think it's fair to say. He's obviously at, been at Formula 3 level for quite a while. Um, he had a pointless year uh, in both Formula 3, or the European Formula 3, and uh, GP3 previously. 
Um, also in Formula 3 last year as well. It's kind of weird to, to see he hasn't scored a point. He had uh, some quite bad, bad luck uh, last year, but did show decent flashes of speed. Oli Cardwell, of course, coming from uh, Formula Regional uh, Championship, of course, in Europe, and uh, was very much third best at Prima, um, unfortunately for him. So this lineup, I don't know, Elliot, is it <laughs> better? It's slightly underwhelming almost. Each driver kind of has their own. Uh, not negatives, but recent setbacks, which uh, they kind of need a good year to, to put themselves back uh, in the fight. Yeah, definitely underwhelming. Uh, and Devlin Di Francesco, um, I think readers should be aware and listeners should be aware, does have a compromised immune system. So I believe he had an illness when he was very young. So that's probably going to be playing on his mind throughout this year with coronavirus and everything. If he's going to all these events, he's got to take extra precautions all the time. He absolutely cannot risk catching COVID-19. So that may, you know, distract him on track as well, per se. You know, like, it can get into your mind so much that it hurts your on-track performances. Zendeli is definitely the best driver in that lineup overall. And Oli Caldwell, he's got a lot of money, I'll put it that way, but I don't think he's got the talent (laughs) to to be up there. Yeah, I, th- I think Elliot said that pretty well. Um, we'll just move on quickly to to HWA because we do have ten teams to get through. I think they've got a really solid lineup. Probably the best one outside of Prima and High Tech, arguably better overall than than ART. I'd argue. Um, they've got Enzo Fittipaldi, of course, who uh, was teammates with Cardwell last year in a in regional uh, in Europe. Uh, obviously, Jake Hughes, who's very experienced at Formula Three level, and just because he's uh, you know, obviously quite experienced, quite old. Doesn't mean we should rule him out uh, at 26, of course. Uh, I think he must be the oldest driver on the grid, um, but he's definitely uh, a very, very handy racer. Jack Doohan as well, who's had, uh, of course, decent amount of success in Formula 3 Asia, um, was also, I mean, Elliot will be able to, to tell us better, <laughs> but I think was decent in, in your Formula Open at times, perhaps didn't quite get the the results that um, his pace warranted. Um, so again, he's a bit of an unknown. Let's see how he gets on. Um, of course, it'll be his first time of course on the f1 support bill so yeah interesting lineup isn't it elliot and do you agree with my assessment that maybe this could be in the fight you know hwa could be in the fight for the the third best team absolutely i i think prima does have the better lineup but going off testing and the the technical staff behind that team hwa race lab could actually be the best team on the grid um in testing i think they actually set the most laps uh with fittipaldi and doing and on, on one lap pace, it was Jake Hughes was second best and Duran was third best of the 30-plus drivers who contested it. And then I think on race stints, it was only Prima who was faster than HWA drivers. So that's very encouraging sign to that team. If I had to pick a favourite out of the three, definitely Jake Hughes. Got the experience, no excuse not to be to winning, be winning this year. Yeah, I mean, he was pretty rapid last year and I think he definitely had quite a bit of bad luck as well. So I think a better year for him, he should be, like you say, top five in the championship, probably as a minimum. Craig, what do you make of this lineup? And if you want to comment on Trident as well. Yeah, it's um, definitely definitely a pretty handy lineup, I think. Um, Jake Hughes, like like you say, has been around for, for what feels like an eternity now. But, um, so, but you know, can't, can't rule him out for sure. Yeah. Um, on on the point of HWA, it almost seems like they're laying down the foundations to to take over the reins from Prima as the as the dominant junior single seater force. Perhaps this is a topic for another um, podcast at another time, but uh, that's definitely what it feels like. That just gradually work, they're just gradually building up to 
something absolutely huge, I think, um, in the next three to four years. Um, Jack Doan is one who I think needs a, a bit of a strong year, really, this year. Um, obviously, it's still Red Bull back, I do believe, isn't he? Um, so, yeah, they're, they're going to be looking at some big results soon, for sure. Moving on to, to MP Motorsport, of course, that's headlined by Macau, <laughs> Macau uh, 2019 winner, Richard Vashore. Um He's obviously joined by two uh, Euro Formula Open uh, alumni, of course, Viscal, who, who raced with uh, with HWA last year, and then Lucas Dunner, of course, who steps up um, after, again, a pretty decent year in Euro Formula Open. Um, obviously, he spent a couple of years there. Definitely time to move on, and nice to see him getting a, a decent seat. Um, MP Motorsport, in Formula Three, at least, have been you know pretty good. They were they were decent last year. Could always spring a bit of a surprise. Uh, nice to see Vashaw back again. A bit of a shame, I think, he couldn't get a a better drive or couldn't uh, quite find Formula Two backing. But he is only nineteen years old, so hopefully uh, will be a decent year of him. I thought we compared quite well to to Liam Lawson last year, and obviously at Macau was was brilliant. So. Hopefully he can carry on. I would say momentum, but it was about seven months ago now, so perhaps not. But um, yeah, it would be nice to see. Uh, again, Elliot, another kind of solid lineup, perhaps one which uh, won't be troubling the top three, but maybe reverse grid races, um, especially now with the top 10 being reversed, perhaps we'll see for sure a very good racer, perhaps nick a couple of those. Potentially, yeah. Uh, MP, middle of last year, started investing heavily on the engineering side. They pinched a few engineers from rival teams. They got some XF1 people in, I think. And they're now investing on the media side as well. They got their own podcast with the, these three drivers. Vershaw uh, is definitely in like the time of his life in his career. The Macau win showed that. And the Macau win was pretty much the first weekend that a lot of those uh, engineering people I've just kind of mentioned were part of the team. Lucas Dunn is pretty rapid, but he's a very, very inexperienced driver in the grand scheme of things. Although he's been doing some rallies to, to get that experience back. And Ben Viscal, highly, highly rate Ben Viscal. With little experience, he rocks up to Euro Formula, did very, very well. Um, went to F3, not much money behind him, not much experience behind him, did very, very well. With a second year, I think he could be winning feature races or Saturday races as well as the reverse grid one. Craig, what do you reckon? Oh, for sure. You've got to be thinking about the sure when it comes to to reverse grid races. Uh, I, I think this year I had to get that pun in there. Um, but yeah, I, I, I definitely think that MP could become effectively the, the new Trident, if you will, in uh, in um, striking the striking gold in in these uh, reverse grid races. Um, and there are changes to that this year, which I'm sure we'll come to later. Um, but yeah, uh, there's definitely some handy drivers in there. Um, no, no sort of like absolute proper headline acts, if you will, but um, some very competent uh, drivers there for sure. Definitely. Let's move on to uh, to Yenza Motorsport, of course. Uh, been around in GP3 and Formula 3 for a very long time. Very good team still. And um, another team that does quite well, usually on a, on a Sunday, so... Let's see how they got on this year. Interesting lineup for them. They've gone with um, Callum Williams and two Italians with uh, Federico uh, Malvasetti, of course, who was racing in Formula 3 for, I think, over three years, uh, then moved on uh, last year into Euro Cup with Bytec and sort of did a decent enough job, um, but probably isn't going to be challenging for, for the podiums this year. It'd be quite a, an experience 
gap within that Yenza team, really looking at that lineup, because you've, you've also got probably the, the brightest prospect of the three, uh, which is Nanini, of course, who only made his car racing debut. Obviously, uh, uh, last year won the, the Formula 4 UAE Championship, um, also raced in EuroCup, Spanish F4, and also Formula Regional Championship as well. He did quite a lot of rounds. Um, again, not with the best team. He obviously came in as well um, partway through the season, which is never easy. Um, but did actually get some decent results when he did rock up. So, yeah, interesting lineup there. Elliot, it's, I think, going to be a tough year, isn't it, for these three? Like I say, Nanini, probably the best prospect, but not much experience there. Uh, that they might struggle. Yeah, if you've got a driver like Nanini, you, you want a very experienced driver alongside him to, to help him develop. Uh, so as much talent as he has, I don't think he's going to have the tools necessarily to turn it into results. Callum Williams is a very quiet driver in on track and off track, although he has pulled off some pretty stunning overtakes over the years. I don't think he can do much better than Nanini, even with the experience he has. Malvastiti, if I remember correctly, took like 62 races to win an Italian F4. He's a very slow burner. Uh, so on his day, he can be quick, but it's a one in 62 chance of getting one of those days. Yeah, I think wooden spoon battle for them, probably with Campos, I'd say. But um, we'll come on to that. I mean, Campos did top the preseason test, so <laughs> we'll come on to talk about them in a, a little bit. Um, let's go on with the next team then, who were eighth in the championship last year. And that was, of course, uh, Charouz, which had a difficult uh, 2019. Obviously, were their drivers, uh, what Zendeli, Hyman and Shearer. Uh, it was a difficult year for them. Um, this year, they've got a whole new lineup. Uh, they've got Nico Kari, of course, who's been around Formula 3, GP3 for quite a while. They've got Red Bull's new recruit, Igor Fraga, of course, uh, fresh from winning TRS and uh, been very, very good last year in, in, in European Formula Regional. Obviously, uh, not with the best team. And, and once again, here with Chiruzzi, he's going to have a bit of a uphill struggle. Um, he's up against David Schumacher as well in the same team, of course. He knows him uh, reasonably well from, from uh, Formula 3 uh, Regional as well. Um, so those two moving up from there. I think this is actually probably one of the best lineups on the grid in terms of uh, in the midfield pack. I think Trues can definitely jump up from eighth place, Elliot, if they uh, have improved on the sort of engineering side and on the team side, if they can provide the car. I think these three are going to kind of put it at least in the top five in the championship. Yeah, three totally solid drivers. Fraga obviously winning TRS. David Schumacher, I rate higher than Mick Schumacher by some margin. Uh, especially from watching him trackside. But Nico Kari, with all that experience at this kind of level, should be able to almost be a leader in that team to help pull them back up the order. But I think with all this time off we've had, all the teams have been investing. So Charas, yeah, might just end up at the back again anyway. Yeah, definitely could be possible. Craig, what do you make of this lineup? And uh, again, did very highly. Fraga, of course, also rated highly. He's picked up by Red Bull. And then he's alongside a former Red Bull junior, Nikakari, such as the, the complicated mess, which is uh, F1 Driver Academies. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Fraga, obviously, is a is, he made his name more in esports rather than on the junior ranks. So winning TRS was um, absolutely huge for him, I think, in, in terms of getting his career uh, really, really going. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how, how he gets on, I think. Um, Shrew's obviously woefully underperformed last year uh, when you when you look at the results. And they've got some very, very potent drivers. Um, now, Nico Kari is one who I always thought when it was Red Bull, 
really should have been perhaps loved a little bit more there. Um, and they may have got some slightly better results out of them. But um, so, and that was several years ago now. So he's obviously got a lot more experience since then and all at the same level. So he, he could, well, this could be like the year that he, he just rocks up and, and dominates um, for, for all we know. Well, not, not dominate, because it's always going to be difficult to dominate against the likes of Prima. But um, he, he could like really spring a surprise feature race win or, or two. Yeah, definitely. Perhaps the, the dark horses, at least driver-wise, we know uh, those three are, are pretty competent. Um, ninth in the championship last year, which has even surprised me now, remembering that they were ninth, was uh, was Carlin. And uh, this year they've gone with Clement Novalak, of course, the uh, British Formula 3 champion from last year. They've obviously got Ahmed, of course, who's uh, come back from Japan after a year racing Formula 3 out there. And also Cameron Daz as well, who has, of course, come up from uh, Euro Formula Open. Uh, obviously raced with Fortec last year, was 12th in that championship. Also did, um, of course, uh, TRS at the, at the start of 2019. Uh, has had a rather uh, patchy career, I think it's uh, fair to say. Perhaps the same really for, for Novelak as well. I mean, it was good for him, I think, to, to win British Formula 3 last year. But uh, was perhaps arguably outshined by uh, Jonathan Hogard in that championship and, and a couple of others as well. He almost arguably won it on consistency. I think he only won something like two races. Um, so Novelak perhaps has a, a good opportunity here to, to prove what he's all about. Um, but Ahmed is probably the strongest of these, um, kind of returning back to, to Europe to race in Formula 3. Bit of a homecoming for him. And uh, Elliot, could it be a, a success <laughs> upon that homecoming if Carlin have sorted out their woes and uh, used a bit of this F1 driver knowledge to uh, to hopefully improve their performance? Yeah, um, Cameron Das is very, very good driver, but never good enough long enough if that makes sense uh, but I think with like with Ahmed and like Novelak they know Carlin very well Carlin's proven operation obviously didn't have a good season last year but it's a team that drivers should feel comfortable at and especially with a guy like NM Ahmed who can with his personality and with his experience can just get into anything gel with the team get going get out to speed maybe he doesn't have the, the outright pace and ability to be at the very top Equally, he's not a driver who's going to be involved in crashes. He's going to get results where they are able to get. He's not going to put things to waste. Novelak, he had, remember, he only started racing at TRS last year, I think, uh, 2019. And then he went into British F3 and Formula 1 Euro Cup as a rookie, had a very bad season, uh, but did take pole on his debut and then returned, uh, sorry, 2018, and then returned to British F3 last year, won the title in a very underwhelming way. I don't think he's got what it takes to be an FIA free yet with his inexperience because he hasn't actually shown he can really win races from the front. Uh, and that's a pretty important ability to have in a series like this where overtaking isn't that common and the, and the cars are very wide. And when you're at circuits like Silverstone in Austria twice in a season, you're going to basically have less chances to overtake than you usually would. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, Craig, what do you reckon? Uh, what can Ahmed do? Can he spring a bit of a surprise perhaps with... Uh... With his experience, of course, he was also another British Formula 3 champion um, back in 2017. And of course, is now at the same point as, as Novelak. Yeah, I think with, with all the drivers that we've spoken about, I think Enam Ahmed is probably um, like, the, like the, the one who I think could well spring the biggest surprise out of everyone. He's obviously returned to Carlin, which is a bit of a homecoming for him. Um, and with things just not quite working out for him, 
over the past year or so. Um, this is a really, really good opportunity for him to to really come back um, and put himself back into into the fray um, when it comes to, to things like potential F1 seats in the future. Um, one thing that he and Novelak have got in their um, arsenal, if you will, is experience with reverse grid races and uh, and like fully reverse grid races. So they both know how to do a bit of overtaking. And I, I don't quite agree with the point that there there isn't overtaking around Austria because half the track is a DRS zone. So it's definitely overtaking around around Austria for sure. Um, and Silverstone, I, I think, is a little bit underrated when it comes to to overtaking as well. We we always see some fantastic battles at Silverstone, no matter what what sort of cars are, are driving around there. Um, for for me, Cameron Das is a little bit of a of, of an unknown quantity, but I, I think if any team is going to get the best out of an unknown quantity, it's probably going to be Carlin, isn't it? So. On on the Red Bull yeah. point, uh, it's a really low deg surface. Uh, surface, so in the short FIA free races, you're not going to have much difference or any at all in how much tire deg you're going to have with someone who's a very aggressive driver and someone who's more cautious. So, basically, your difference in cars is basically going to be based entirely on the teams rather than what the driver can bring to the race. I think, which is why. In my opinion, there won't be much overtaking, especially when you've got like a 30 car field. After lap two, I imagine it will just be a train and that'll be about it. I think it was last year. I seem to remember before the race, someone said it'd be like the Indy 500 and everyone would be, everyone would be passing everyone. And then it turned out to be a train. But then I think the reverse grid race on Sunday was actually quite good and there was quite a lot of action. I know that's where Armstrong and Schwartzman came together, I think. So um, yeah, <laughs> fingers crossed we will get some good action in the first two rounds. Um, the final team out of the 10, of course, uh, last in the championship last year, had a really, really tough year, was was Campos Racing. Um, this year, they'll be running Alex Peroni, of course, who's continuing his recovery. Of course, after that crash at Monza, set some really, really good times um, in preseason testing. Of course, it is only uh, testing, but did show some really good speed throughout uh, You know, last year. Of course, he started, uh, I think, Paul Ricard from pole um, from memory, but then um quickly faded away um so he's definitely i think got a, a lot more to give uh and then he's joined by sophia flush and then <laughs> everyone's favorite uh john Surtees, uh copy was <laughs> alessio deleda of course who's moved over um uh, to car racing i think in 2018 and has sort of struggled um really ever since uh i think i don't think he finished inside the top 15 last year so we're not going to waste uh podcast seconds on him any longer, uh, with all due respect to him. Hope he, hope he enjoys the year. Uh, but yeah, Elliot, what do you make of Peroni's and uh, Flash's chances? Yeah, Peroni was rapid in testing, um, almost mysteriously so, given how slow his teammates were. Um, but yeah, it's very hard to tell how good Campos is. Uh, they've pretty much always been an underfunded team, even when they were like, almost a title-winning operation back in the day. Um, Sphere Flash wasn't that good in Formula Regional last year. Hate to say it because obviously she does, she does have ability, but when she is given those opportunities, I just don't think she actually makes the most of it. So Campos could be the bottom team, even if we ignore Deled is not going to score any points anyway. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, I do agree with that. I think it'll, them and Genza, I think, will be quite a way off. 
um, unfortunately, right at the back. And I'd say Trident probably an eighth. But uh, yeah, anyway, uh, Greg, what, what do you reckon to do with uh, Campos and Sophia Flush? Um, I think, yeah, this is uh, obviously the drive Flush wanted, perhaps not with the team she wanted. Obviously, she did um, uh, Macau with HWA. And then now it's with Campos. So perhaps a little bit of a step backwards there. Um, will her and, and Peroni be able to do much with that machinery? Uh, Peroni possibly, Flush less likely, I think. Um, I think we all want to see Alex Peroni do well this year after what happened last year in that horrible accident at Monza. Um, but I do think that Camp- Campos is genuinely going to struggle uh, this year in comparison. Um, I, I see little even though they were particularly rapid in testing, I don't think you, you can always read a huge amount into that. Um, Flush has obviously been hanging around the Formula 3 level for, for a little while now, but this will be a, a, her first season on on the Pirelli tyres. Um, so I know she has a, a lot of uh, a lot of fans uh, and that, but I think they're going to be slightly disappointed when she's scrap you know scrapping for to to be in like the the, the high teens low 20s uh, that sort of range which is a little bit of a is like the, the weird paradox with FIA 3 really is that you can be absolutely mega but finish 14th because there are so many cars on the grid and uh, dis- disparity between the teams can be absolutely huge at times so but but that's how, that's how it is at this level <laughs> No points for down to 15, unfortunately, no. uh, which I think is what we need for Formula 3. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Elliot, what do, what do you reckon? I mean, it's kind of ironic, isn't it, that Flush uh, ends up with a bad F- FIA F3 seat while W Series champion Jamie Chadwick, W Series is a series that Flush criticises a lot, uh, lands a top seat in the step down and the step that Flush uh, raced in last year. Yeah, Flush likes going her own way and things almost to, to spite her own face occasionally. Uh, she does have some pretty good points, it's fair, when she makes them. But if you're just judging her on track, then she definitely doesn't do enough to deserve, say, a, a Prima Formula Regional seat, whereas Jamie Chadwick is winning races in W Series. She is getting good press. She's making the right impression to people, and that's why she gets a seat like that, whereas you can kind of see why Sophia Flush wouldn't. Yeah, definitely. I, I... I can't really disagree with that. I, w- I was going to bring that point up myself, but I, I, I thought I'd, I'd shy away from that one. It is interesting. <laughs> it is interesting to see the the parallels, really. Um, and I think the the way that Flush has gone by scraping her way onto the the, the FIA free grid draws parallels to to when Alice Powell joined GP3 in twenty ten, I think it was, uh, with Status GP and. As much talent as Powell had um, back then, it, it just didn't quite work for her because uh, she was with a, a team that simply wasn't quite up to the standard. Yeah, I think that's the problem with a lot of these uh, lower tier Formula 3 seats, you know, but drivers can spend so much money scraping to get onto the grid and you can uh, very much end up in a situation like we saw last year with a number of drivers scoring either single figure points or no points at all. You know, you had uh, what well, Asian Formula Three champion Ralph Hyman on two points. You had Logan Sargent on five points. Zandelli, after winning German Formula Four, got six points. 
Drogovic after doing so well in the Formula Open, scored points in one race. You know, it's Elliot. It's it's not great, is it? Really, when uh, we know these guys have talent, but unfortunately, when they get to this level, it's so competitive and there's such gaps between the teams that they do find it difficult to shine. Do you think that will change this year? Not particularly, no. And although we are expecting a slightly shorter season, or potentially not a short season, if they can double up all the remaining rounds yet to be announced, drivers in this series are spending a lot of money and it's not like you're going to go into a weekend, go full attack, potentially throw away a few front wings um, if you're starting down like 18th to just to try and get up to 10th. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of high cost, low reward, unless you're in a Prima car, essentially. Craig, will this inevitably lead to teams dropping off the grid? I fear it will. Um, and that's the sort of thing that we've seen in other championships as well. When you do have one team that is just an absolutely crushing dominant force, um, and if you can't beat them, run. <laughs> Simple as that, really. There we go. Some nice life advice there for <laughs> Formula Scout. Um, not endorsed by Formula Scout. Um, yeah, I think if you look at when Formula Three started or the new Formula Three started, it, it was like a similar trend. You basically just get the teams less and less um, because one team kind of dominates. They expand. Probably won't be long before we have like four car teams in Formula 3, but a topic for a future day. Let's carry on with the preview. And um, One of the biggest changes for this year is that now the top 10 on a Sunday will be reversed, and that will set the grid for the sprint race. Elliot, will this make a significant change? Uh, is it a positive change, or is it really just going to not make uh, an awful lot of difference? I think it's a significant change, because for last year I did like a Group B kind of classification, I think I took every driver who was ninth in the standings and below because uh, basically that was what the reverse grid was. Um, so if it's now down to top 10, the drivers who are in the top 10, which is where super license points are awarded, it could change that picture significantly. And if you're scoring highly on a Sunday, then you go up in standings and that's ultimately going to aid you in getting to Formula 1 in a field this stacked. Um, so yeah, if you're only the 10th best driver, you've done less work than the eighth best driver had to do last year and getting a win on a Sunday, essentially. Wow, but well, that mass has made my head hurt. Uh, Craig, what about you? <laughs> do you think it's going to be uh, positive? Um, yeah, I think that's a bit of, I think that's definitely a positive. Um, it, it does give the opportunity for a, for a few different faces to shine, I think, uh, for sure. Um, it probably won't be popular with, with everyone. I know reverse grid races aren't popular with purists, Anyway, but I, I definitely think at, at this level it does help drivers show a little bit of racecraft, if you will, um, and and it should hopefully promote some uh, some more exciting races on a Sunday morning, which I think we all we all want whilst we're having our cups. Of, well, I have a cup of coffee. I don't know about you two, but um, I, I need one. I'm old, so <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough. Um, yeah, so I think that's basically the the main sporting change for for Formula Three this year, and we've talked about how perhaps the performance gaps won't be uh, that much different for this year. Um, but obviously, hopefully, they will. Obviously, at the end of any preview, you always get a prediction. Um, so prepare yourselves. <laughs> and um, basically, all we're going to say is just, I think the team's champions is going to have to be Prima, to be honest. Um, hopefully, I think it will be closer this year. Um, but yeah, I just can't really look past Prima. 
Uh, and for me, I reckon uh, Oscar Piastri will win. I think the battle of the the Formula Three regional champions. Uh, I think it'll be very close, but I think he'll beat Vesti to the championship. Um, and yeah, I think it'll be a competitive title fight, hopefully. But a bit like last year, uh, the the one who's able to sort of string together the championship best, Schwartzman last year. I think it'll be Piastri this year. Uh, Elliot, <laughs> I'm going to put put your neck on the line. Who who are you picking for the the championship win? Oh, definitely Prima for the team title. Like, there's no doubt with that. I'm going to have to say Vesti. I think he's stronger all round against Piastri. I think Piastri is slightly lacking in qualifying department. Okay. Um, I'm obviously going to go with Prima for the team's championship, unsurprisingly. Um, and I too am going to say Piastri for, for the drivers' championship. Um, I, I just think that the... Uh, it's going to be very close between the two. I think it's going to go to the to the last round, wherever the last round may be. Yeah, definitely. It's an interesting point. We won't perhaps won't even know the calendar by the the, the start of the first round. So uh, we will see. And the final round at the moment will be at Monza, which will be um, quite an interesting one for sure. Uh, yeah, it's a pretty great calendar anyway. All the tracks are are looking pretty good. Um, yeah, it should be it should be an interesting one. I remember Monza last year was was properly good. Uh, Sonoda won that one, didn't he? I think the the first grid. So. Uh, yeah, should be an interesting finale. Certainly better than uh, Sochi was. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I think that pretty much rounds out our preview of the, the 2020 Formula 3 Championship. Let us know uh, who you think is going to win the championship. And of course, check out Formula Scout. We'll have a bunch of preview content uh, before the season starts. And of course, coverage of the opening weekend, as well as all of the remaining rounds as well. Um, so yeah, check out formulascout.com for that. Uh, but that brings an end to this podcast. So thank you so much for listening and goodbye. Goodbye.